you've taken your first step into a larger world. Hello and welcome to Force Material. I'm Rowan Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. And this is the show that's all about the source material of Star Wars. It's all about the ways that the Force uh, surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. We're looking at all the things that have inspired uh, Star Wars because I think it was Dave Filoni who said that if you're trying to understand Star Wars just by watching Star Wars, you you never will. It's good to have (laughs) context for this stuff uh, to help you... Uh, you know, get get more enjoyment out of Star Wars. I mean, I think, you know, Star Wars is for everybody. You can enjoy it regardless of whether you know which, you know, Japanese film is being referenced at a particular moment or whatever. But I do think it adds that extra layer of enjoyment to know those things. Mm. For our first episode, we've decided to throw forward and throw back, weirdly, because we're going to look at one of the locations that was used at the very end of The Force Awakens and is going to be a key place in The Last Jedi, Skellig Michael, which is doubling as the planet at Actu, Actu, Actu. I I think Actu, but I wonder if that's a little bit on two on the nose. Bless you. As a <laughs> as a uh, as a as a pun there that, that we're having the 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 second act in the story <laughs> on yes. Actu. So maybe it is meant to be pronounced Actu. Well, we'll find out in December. But for now, um, we'll call it Skellig Michael, shall we? Yeah, Skellig Michael will yeah. will do nicely. And uh, I think a lot of people know this already, but. Uh, those sequences were filmed off the coast of County Kerry in southwest Ireland. Um, I come from the other end, from the northeast of, of the island. Um, and weirdly, the word skellig just means rock in the ocean. And uh, we have an analogy for that in the north called scary. Uh, and I think that Norway has its own analogy. A lot of European countries have the same word or a similar word for rock in the ocean. But uh, this one is called Skellig Michael. And it's one of two because always two there are. Great Skellig and Little Skellig. Skellig. Oh, now the pronunciation of this eludes me as well, which is to my eternal shame. Well, if it eludes you, it's definitely going to eludes me. <laughs> but it, yeah, rest assured, it's the Irish word for little. Um, yeah. So uh, both the islands together are some of the most important seabird colonies in Ireland. Uh, and it's probably a minor miracle that anyone got to film there at all. Do we know how that how that happened? Like, how was it just the the power of the Disney machine? We think, or I think it may have been the power of the Disney machine um, because a lot of people were reportedly unhappy with the Irish government allowing them to film there. Um, not very much had been filmed there in previous years. In fact, the the last thing I could find a record of having filmed there, the last production was Werner Herzog's Heart of Glass. I'm not, I'm not even sure because I haven't seen that film. I'm not even sure if it did. Um, but that was 1976. Right. Yeah, and that would have been a long time ago, probably before everybody got up in arms about heritage listings and, and seabird protection and things <laughs> like that. Um, other than that, there's just been a couple of TV documentaries, which I'm sure were very respectful. But this is Star Wars, and this is a production on a vastly different scale. Absolutely. Now, am I... So this was... It is actually on the UNESCO Her- Heritage List, this uh, Skelly Michael. That's right, yeah. It was placed there in 1996. So um, 20 years after that, Herzog film would have filmed there. Um, and I think that pretty much nothing's been, been done there. So it's, it's a very um, isolated place. It's 12 kilometers off the coast. 
the only way you can get there is a very choppy sea voyage. Um, and they only give out a certain number of boat licenses. So very few people can actually get there. Well, I'm sure one day. So, so, so you've, look, I assumed that you had been there, but that was just my racism towards all <laughs> yes. Irish people coming out. So you, you have not been there. I've not been there. And I'm making my peace with the fact that you and I probably will never be there because the tourism there will just explode. I, I did look at it. Um, after I saw Force Awakens, I was back in the north of Ireland for a little while and I thought I could make the pilgrimage, but it was completely the wrong month of the year. Because the voyages are only um, out to Skellig Michael when the sea is good enough. Um, and that's almost never. <laughs> well, that's not the, you know, do or do not, Bass. There, there is no try. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah. But the other thing is, it's, to, it's now booked out well, for whole seasons in advance. So, that makes uh, sense. As you can imagine. So uh, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I think the main industry of Ireland now is tourism, both for Star Wars and Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's pretty much it. What percentage of people who go to Skellig Michael do you think do, you know, go in pairs and hold out the lightsaber to someone once they get to the top of the rock? No, uh, it's got to be more than 10%. Oh, Um, at least. I would think the other other way around. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. I read a stat last year that said that 10% of tourism to Northern Ireland is now directly because of Game of Thrones. Wow. Yeah. Um, So I would say that with Skellig, it would be a much higher proportion that are Star Wars fans. No, you know, you mentioned that it hadn't been used in a film since 1976. So, uh, I guess the thing that that I'm wondering about is like, where did how did they even know about Skellig Michael Island? Like, what what you know had there been like historical records of this place being like this amazing destination to visit, or where did that kind of come from? Well, there there have been lots of people who have written about it in the past, and, and some very famous people have visited there. Um, the Irish writer George Bernard Shaw visited in 1910 uh, and he was blown away by the experience of travelling there, um, even though it's kind of his backyard almost. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he called it uh, an an incredible, impossible, mad place and part of our dream world. He was probably the first, technically the first location scout for Lucasfilm. (laughs) I'm sure someone at Lucasfilm has, has read that when they were looking for a place to, to film Act 2. Mm. Yeah. Now, it's uh, obviously, you know, we know Ryan Johnson has talked about uh, the first time he visited, uh, I nearly called it Act 2, the first time he visited Skelly Michael <laughs> Island, seeing uh, the puffins and that, it would, you know, the little uh, adorable little penguins and, and, and that inspiring uh, the porgs. But what... What sort of wildlife are you likely to see if you are lucky enough to be one of these, uh, you know, 100 people a day who gets to go to Skellig Michael? Well, I believe the uh, there are seabirds all year round, um, gulls and, and, and things like that mostly, but uh, some of them are seasonal. And depending on the month of the year, you're likely to see puffins around the summer. Um, and also there are petrels, gannets, fulmers, manx shearwaters, kittiwakes, guillemots, peregrine falcons, and razorbills. You are just, you are making up these names. I'm not reading them off a thing in front of me because I'm (laughs) an incredible researcher and I can't rely on my own brain. (laughs) Some of of those sound like Star Wars names already. They actually do, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Peregrine falcon, that's uh, probably Lando's first ship. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, when we talk about um, you know, in the films, we've only seen a, a few seconds of, of Skelly Michael Island at mm. this point, and we know that Luke has has gone there uh, to to hide himself away from the world. Uh, and there's actually like a real world uh, precedent for that, isn't there? 
There is. Um, the, the first reason the island was inhabited at all was a very similar reason to, to what Luke was trying to do. Um, around the 6th century, a bunch of monks decided that they wanted to get closer to God by getting away from the world. And they travelled out to Skellig Michael and they built there a monastery of dome-shaped stone huts. And it must have been, you think about it, how labour-intensive that must have been mm. to just stack these flat stones in little igloo shapes um, and then carve steps from the base of the where, where the uh, where the rock meets the sea to the very top, which is over 200 metres. Mm. They had to carve these stone steps so they could actually get up there. Um, all the while in the Irish weather and the wind, um, which is just, the, the wind would be uninter- uninterrupted right across the Atlantic and uh, you get some gales down in that part of the world. So I can only imagine how much work it took to build this place, but build it they did. And okay, so with, uh, so why though? Like uh, of all the places they could have, like what was the what was the motivation to to go to to Skellig Michael? Well, as I said, just to get away from civilization. Mm. They they seriously believed that they could find peace and find spiritual enlightenment by just leaving the world behind. And what better place than a rock in the middle of the sea, <laughs> which is, is you know reasonably hard to get to and and assailed by wind and weather. Mm. Um, but sadly, eventually they did leave. Um, I suspect the Irish weather did get a bit much for them. <laughs> um, and that was, that would have been after two or three centuries there. So mm. several generations of monks did live there for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, eventually they fled for the safety of the mainland <laughs> and <laughs> abandoned the place. But it still remained a site of pilgrimage. Although, although there weren't people living there permanently, people would come there and climb the steps and, and I guess pray mm. at the old monastery. And then return to the mainland again. Mm. Um, so not much has happened over there for uh, the generation since the monks have left um, until the, the Irish decided to build a lighthouse um, to keep shipping safe. And there actually there were two lighthouses built in the 19th century. One is still working. Yeah, right. Mm. So I assume that they're, I, I don't know if it's an automated light or if someone lives there, but... Yeah, it's uh, been an impressive place to spend some time. I assume it's just Mark Hamill up there <laughs> operating it. That's right. Now you uh, you you mentioned earlier what what Skellig means, mm. but uh, who's who's Michael? Yes, well, so um, Skellig Michael and Little Skellig are the names of the islands, and in, in, uh, translated from the Irish. And uh, at some point before ten forty four, the monks dedicated the island to Saint Michael, the Archangel Michael. Um, again, paralleling this with Star Wars religious history, do you think that the Jedi are then the equivalents of warrior saints in the mythology of the Church of the Force, which was introduced in Force Awakens? I suppose so. I mean, the Church of the Force is is an interesting one. Like, I, uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, I... I kind of cringed a little bit the first time I heard the, mm. the term Church of the Force. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, purely because it's a very... Um, I've traditionally seen the Force as being a very uh, Eastern-influenced kind of spirituality, where when you start using uh, the way that the Church of the Force is described uh, in, you know, the visual guide and everywhere else where we've, we've sort of found out about uh, the Church of the Force so far, it's it feels more Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more like it's starting to sound like Christianity. I'm not a huge fan of that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I... It's not something I think about a lot, but but I prefer that there's not such a clear 
it's strange to think of Luke as being like a, a figurehead for a a church per se. Like it's strange to think of him as being a. Uh, I suppose it's just because like it's my own personal biases coming in where maybe I'm not a huge fan of the church in real life. Mm-hmm. So it's a strange to me. It's not something I really want to attach to Luke Skywalker. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, that I like about the Church of the Force is that it made all those idiots who take Jedi on their census forms wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> because Jedi is not a religion. It never was a religion. Um, Jedi is, at best, a warrior monk of the Church of the Force. <laughs> but uh, but you're right. If, if Luke Skywalker, though, became a whispered myth within his own lifetime, mm. does that mean that it's pretty easy for members of the Church of the Force to be able to revere Jedi who aren't with us anymore? Do mm. some of them look up to Mace the Martyred? <laughs> uh, do they ironically make stained glass windows to him? <laughs> I guess... very, very high up in the side of tall structures. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because, that, I mean, I suppose that comes back to one of the uh, discrepancies, for lack of a better word. Or it's not really a discrepancy, but it, it definitely... Um, uh, a thing about the prequels that was different to, I guess, how a lot of us had imagined uh, the galaxy being based on the original films where, you know, when Han Solo in uh, A New Hope talks about the Jedi as if they were something that, you know, had not been around for a long, 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 long time. And, you, you know, it was realistic that he would see it as sort of this space mumbo jumbo that, that wasn't real. To me, now I suppose this... You know, this didn't really make sense in the original film as well, given, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's age and the fact that he, uh, you know, had had been hanging out with Anakin Skywalker not that long ago. But, I mean, that's always seemed strange to me that they could so completely vanish from the public consciousness in the space of a generation. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, when you think about it, Order 66 did only purge the Jedi, not everyone who followed the Church of the Force, Mm. to my knowledge. Exactly. So I guess maybe there had just been a generation of people who, well, we've seen in Rogue One, there are certainly still people around who believed, uh, you know, in the Force and and believed in the teachings of the Jedi, but were not Jedi themselves. That's an interesting point, because there are a lot of different religions that seem to follow the same path, seem to follow the Force. Yeah, Um, well, which is, you know, obviously just the same as as real life. So no matter whether you're calling it the, the Jedi, the Guardians of the Wills, or the... Church of the Force. It's all this, or or some wacky old man's belief in bacteria, <laughs> magic bacteria <laughs> called midi chlorians that live inside you. Um, everyone's got a different idea of what the Force is, and I kind of think that's nice. Mm. It, it does parallel the real world. Mm. I mean, in theory, everyone who follows any kind of organized religion is pregnant to some kind of higher power, mm. uh, which could equally well be the same higher power. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess it's just. In the Star Wars universe, it is a little bit strange that it was only a generation ago that there was a whole galactic police force of people walking around <laughs> clearly publicly exhibiting that this religion was real and mm-hmm. that they could do this thing. But then again, I suppose how many people would have directly come into contact with a Jedi? Uh, and a lot of people probably thought that the stories about the Jedis were myths or exaggerations mm-hmm. or might not have believed in the you know they might have accepted that the jedi were a galactic peacekeeping force but they might not have believed in the force per se that's right yeah yeah obviously there are creatures uh you know within the star wars universe and, and on uh acto itself that we know uh do look at luke as 
well, maybe not necessarily Luke, but certainly the Jedi Knights as uh, these sort of religious figures. So we know that in mm-hmm. um, The Last Jedi, we're going to be introduced to these uh, caretakers. Yeah. Um, I like the look of them, but with with a bit of caution. Because mm. they kind of look like grown-up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who become <laughs> nuns. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, yeah. Yeah, it does sound awesome. But let's hope they, you know, where are they going to get pizza on Akito? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's clear that Luke's not alone on the island, which is weird. Um, mm. When you think about all the things we were told in Force Awakens about Luke heading into exile, you kind of think that he's going to be off on his own just brooding on a mountaintop, mm. which is where we see him mm. first. Um, but he's clearly not. There, there are other creatures there. There are these caretakers, and the whole island is covered with porgs, as we know. Mm. Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you've been reading the uh, Darth Vader comic that Marvel's putting out at uh, the moment, uh, Charles Soule's Darth Vader, because there's a, a character in that run so far, uh, and I wonder if this is the uh, the, the vaunted story group uh, teasing something we're going to hear more about in The Last Jedi, because uh, in that first story arc of the new Darth Vader comic, Darth was um, battling a, uh, a Jedi who had taken a, a vow. I think he called it the, the Barash or something along those lines, mm-hmm. um, which was basically, uh, you know, a vow to remove himself from society and to exist only within the force and to not interact with with other living creatures. He's got a droid for companionship and that's about it. Right. Um, so it seems like maybe like rather than being something that Luke has decided to do uh, on a whim or, or because, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, that this is actually something where there's a bit of a, a tradition of Jedi sort of taking themselves off the board like this. Mm. I do wonder why Luke didn't exile himself with his best mate droid. Uh, mm. He could easily have taken R2-D2 with him. Um, and if he did get there by X-Wing, um, where's the droid that flew that? <laughs> well, we've seen, uh, I believe it was a, a Tops Card Trader card, uh, where we've actually, uh, uh, you know what, actually, that's getting into spoilers. So let's <laughs> let's let's not talk about that. Yeah. Not everyone cares about Tops Card Trader cards. Uh, Force but- Material Podcast, 100% spoiler <laughs> Uh, but yeah, certainly, um, it is, it is a little bit strange that he, that he didn't bring, um, R2 with him, but he has these, he has these caretakers here. He's got these, these sea creatures, these porgs. Um, and it looks like they've, uh, certainly in Entertainment Weekly and other, um, places like that, that I think we've all read at this point. Um, uh, they have been talking about, um, building, uh, like a village, uh, on the set. So, mm. so certainly, um, he's not the only person on the island. That's right. And there are these huge Loch Ness monster like sea creatures out in the ocean too, mm. which, uh, um, there's a lot of sea life around the real Skellig Michael too. Um, you'll see dolphins and porpoises and things like that um, depending on the time of the year it sounds like it might actually be a fun place to go even without the star wars uh yeah. connection but realistically that is that's that is what we're giving you that yeah and and you know obviously certainly uh that's that's one of the reasons you know with these with these uh fantastic sea creatures and the scenery why they uh, i suppose why it's uh, heritage listed mm. um do you know like has that caused Problems in terms of, I imagine they have to obviously step a bit lighter than they might uh, at, say, Pinewood uh, mm. when they're filming on Skellig Michael Island. Yeah, that's true. Um, the Irish government has, as I said, been very, very supportive of Star Wars filming there. Um, but a lot of locals have been up in arms and, and uh, conservationists who, who really don't like the idea. And there have been a couple of incidents on the island, minor incidents, thankfully, mm. Um 
newspapers recorded a, a minor paint spill, which was immediately cleaned up. Some minor stonework disturbance, which was immediately sorted out. Um, and probably the most serious incident was when they were scouting the location in helicopters. Um, a chopper got pretty close to the island and a downdraft blasted a few black-legged kittiwake chicks off of their nests and uh, into the ocean where they were eaten by other birds. But, you know, by, by pogs? Cir- by possibly. That's the circle of life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so, you know, with with the island being a, a, a seabird colony and Harry's listed place, a lot of people weren't pleased about that. But, um, and, and Birdwatch Ireland, a group called Birdwatch Ireland, were concerned that the Irish government allowed filming on this uh, sea party, this seabird sanctuary without third party consent. So they didn't really consult anyone. They just gave carte blanche for some to go and film there. Right. But JJ plays by his own rules, man. Yeah. He just, you know, I've seen videos of tourists there mm. and they're, they're up to 180 tourists a day allowed onto this island if the weather's right and they crawl all over the place you know stomping up and down the paths mm. there's going to be damage it's it's not like it's a hermetically sealed site mm. so I honestly think the filming wouldn't have affected anything mm. well I suppose it's much like a Australia you know here in Australia for if you happen to be listening to us overseas which is probably quite ambitious on my part but and you hadn't figured out from from my accent although the two accents had confused you we are recording this in Australia uh and uh you know obviously in Australia we have our own kind of landmarks that are I suppose similar to Skelly Michael in the way mm. that, that people are very protective of them so um you know Uluru for instance uh, obviously you you're not meant to be walking all over that much yeah. like Skelly Michael but but people do mm-hmm. um the blockbuster Aquaman is filming down the road right at the moment on the Gold <laughs> Coast and I did hear reports that uh, they wanted to use uh, part of the Gold Coast uh, Southport spit uh, uh, for filming but uh, there was a pandanus palm that was causing some consternation, like a rare tree. Right. Um, and some of the councillors fired up about that. They had an, uh, an emergency council meeting. Wow. Yeah. I think the, the production was allowed to go ahead. Well, yeah. But <laughs> I guess this happens everywhere. Yeah. Well, certainly, I mean, on, on, on Skelly Michael, like, obviously, not everything we see on Skelly, on Octo in the film will actually be on Skelly Michael Island, I assume, because yeah. of uh, some of these logistical problems. That's right. Well, I mean, when you when you look at it in long shot, Skelly Michael looks amazing. It's an impressive location. But there are a lot of parts of the coast of Ireland that, if you're in tight shot, could double for that quite easily. And that's exactly what the uh, film crew did. So they, they moved to uh, other locations after they filmed uh, in, on Skelly in, in 2015. Much of the scenes that were filmed for The Last Jedi were shot on other parts of the mainland Irish coast. All along, actually, um, Dingle in the very south of Ireland was used, uh, which is quite close to uh, where Skellig Michael is. And uh, then they moved all the way up to Malinhead and Donegal, which is closer to Northern Ireland, uh, where I come from. Right. Um, just a little bit west of there. Um, and that was filming while I was over there, actually. I didn't make the pilgrimage out to see anything because they probably wouldn't have gotten within two miles of it. Well, true. Heavies coming in and escorting you off the premises. <laughs> but uh, some people did get close. And, and I remember looking at some Irish websites while I was in the country and seeing some footage of, uh, you know, actors being ferried to and from the site and of the base of the Millennium Falcon being built on the cliffs just by the sea. Wow. Yeah. So um, so they've definitely, they've, they've done the rounds and they've filmed there. And, you know, always people who run pubs in these remote locations, you can guarantee that they're going to talk. 
They're going to tell you who's been in for a pint. Or if they can't, they'll say, well, someone was in for a pint. Talk to me next year when the film's out and I'll tell you exactly who was in for a pint and what they said. And what it was Mark Hamill, though, wasn't how it? Much money they we can assume it was Mark Hamill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, around that time, I think Adam Driver was spotted coming into Belfast Airport. So, yeah, right. you know. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, as long as we're just wildly speculating here, uh, now I should say, but neither of us are, you know, in the know on any spoilers as far as what's going to uh, happen in the last shadow, which we were. But uh, do you think Adam Driver, do you think we'll we'll see him on Skellig Michael Island in The Last Jedi? Do you think we'll see him on Acto? I think it's a given. Mm. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to happen because mm. um, obviously someone's going to have to give them the location or... He's going to mm. have to have planted a tracker mm. on the Falcon. Which you know, which was always a strange thing in The Force Awakens because there clearly was a tracker on the Falcon in terms of the First Order tracked them to Takadana, but yeah. then they kept using the Falcon. Well, they, they could still be using that tracker. <laughs> yeah, <right>? exactly. <laughs> there's no reason why they couldn't. That's how they find the Rebel base. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's probably, I'm sure someone is shouting at the podcast right now, like, you're forgetting the scene <laughs> where they scanned for trackers and they removed the track, but I, I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't remember that scene. No, no, I don't remember that scene either. And I'm sure the First Order have some pretty sophisticated trackers. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they do. It would be great if we had a film where the entire conceit of the plot until Star Killer Base came in in the third act and changed things up a bit uh, was that the First Order was desperately looking for the location of Luke Skywalker, and then in the sequel they just find him like they they just show up like there's no explanation for how they get there or i actually i'm i'm, I'm now on team they just show up like i just want the uh, kylo ren to show up no explanation of how he found it uh no explanation of of you know how he how he tracked uh, ray there and we'll just and then just get on with it yeah just have a big fight yeah yeah yeah, that's right. We'll see Luke uh, yeah. do his thing. The the idea of why the um, the First Order actually want to take Luke out in the first place anyway, if he's withdrawn from the galaxy of his own volition, is is confusing. Look, I we're we're obviously getting a little off topic, but are, yeah. but but in terms <laughs> of uh, that, look, I I, we, I guess we should probably maybe uh, establish up front because you know people we might might want to know like uh, what what our positions on the films are. I love The Force Awakens. Me too. It's it's one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, that time when it was released was just a, a great great time in my life. Just that whole Star Wars month was was incredible. But like anything you love, you know, you watch it over and over again and you find little, little things here and there. And certainly, um, you know, the storyline of, of the first order tracking Luke, uh, when they also have a super weapon that's capable of destroying multiple planets at a time, mm-hmm. just feels like overkill that they would really be that concerned about where Luke is and what yeah. Luke's doing. It's kind of like, you know, Darth always talks about, you know, the, the power to destroy a planet is insignificant compared to the power of the force, but, it's kind of not like yeah. the force is basically just being able to stretch a bit further than you could yeah. otherwise. That's it. So yeah. I mean, but he do, he does have experience in blowing up super weapons. But if you go down that path, the first order should be really worried about where Nia Nun, Blando, and Wedge are. Right? <laughs> and they don't seem that concerned about that. No, so, yeah, no, this is true. <laughs> All right, well, that's that's Skelly Michael Island. It sounds like a uh, a fantastic place that I uh, 
don't care what you say, Baz. I'm keeping the dream alive. We're we're gonna dream alive. We're gonna visit Skelly Michael Island sometime around 2025. That's right. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a look. Keep an eye out for it in about uh, however many years away that is. That's gonna be a, an episode of the pod. If anyone from the Irish Tourist Board is listening, though, we're well up. For it. <laughs> we'll even pay for our flights. I believe they are. Uh, this is. <laughs> Uh, I've got the the analytics here, and it's very popular in the Irish. It's going off. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right, well, this has been uh, the first episode of Force Material. Uh, Tune back in next week, uh, and we'll be talking about... um, We're going to start looking at the films that Ryan Johnson has been teasing uh, that people should watch before The Last Jedi. Ryan's Um, Film Camp. Ryan's Film Camp. We're going to be taking part in Ryan's Film Camp, and we hope that you will be taking part in it with us. Uh, The first film we're going to be looking at is uh, Three Outlaw Samurai, which is uh, a pretty cool samurai movie. It's worth a watch, even if you inexplicably don't care about The Last Jedi, but are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you enjoyed us, don't forget to tell people, you know, get the word out, like and share and tweet and all that great stuff. Point people back to the Force Material website, which is an archive of absolutely amazing source material about Star Wars. Um, so yeah, this has been Force Material and you've just taken your first step into a larger world. <laughs>